This podcast is not intended for younger audiences. If you are younger than 18 years old, please turn this off. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. And now, on to our double feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. You know, I'm not gonna lie, I was almost gonna do the Wayne's World intro just to throw you off. <laughs> I was like, what if I just start going, it's Two Dudes, Two Dudes, Park Time! Excellent! Is it, is it because of the, uh, the Super Bowl commercial? Yeah, it's on the brain. Which... Tom Brady, let, I'm just gonna, I know we didn't have Super Bowl in the conversation, I know it's gonna be a few weeks. First off, Tom Brady, listen, I'm gonna say a few things here about Tom Brady, okay? Are you are you addressing Tom Brady? I am addressing, I am addressing Tom Brady right now. We need to make sure we tweet this at him. Now, Tom Brady, good for you. You have seven. You have seven, you have seven out of ten, which is great, you know, uh, but the last two Super Bowls you won were some of the most boring things I have ever watched in my entire life. Mic drop. You you do not create compelling TV, my friend, unless you're losing. <laughs> I could prove this because Super Bowl Super Bowl forty two, Eli wins. That's great television. And I'm not a New York fan, but Eli wins. That was great. The second time Eli won, that was entertaining. And look, I'll even give you credit for for when you lost to Nick Foles. You threw for like what, like five, almost five hundred yards or something, and you lost. That's entertaining. Anyway, listen, he won it's, seven. Good, good it's for him. Two dudes, two dudes, party. <laughs> This is where it just just goes over Richard's head. He's just like whoosh. <laughs> I I don't watch a lot of football. <laughs> I watch for the commercials, but even this year, admittedly, the commer- like there were some fun commercials, but the ones I liked, I I watched already. So I'm like, what eh, what was I, your favorite? I, what was your favorite commercial? My favorite commercial. Um. Uh, did you like the Edward Scissorhands one? I did. I did like that one. Did you know you can review that on Letterboxd? What? Yeah, isn't that weird? Letterboxd. I love you very, very dearly. This is being addressed on Letterboxd. I love you very dearly. But I think it's ridiculous that we can review miniseries. We can review WandaVision on Letterboxd as well. Which I think is slightly absurd. This is, It's going to become IMDB where it says Internet Movie Database. It's going to be, become like the Internet Visual Media like letterbox <laughs> thing i don't i had to address tom brady in letterbox anyway but no, i did like the the what was it, edgar scissorhands one but again i watched it before the super bowl because it, it was you know what the funny was thing the funny thing was i was watching a youtube video and it played before the youtube video and i was like wait what what is this <laughs> and so i had to go and find the like the 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 full length one so i watched that but i don't know i guess I don't, there wasn't really any of the commercials that stood out for me. I liked any of the commercials that were just like the normal, like local ones, like get vaccinated. Don't be a dick. We're in a pandemic. Wear a mask, you piece of crap. 
You know, I don't really remember those, but I do remember, uh, the, like, the State Farm commercial where they have, like, the doppel, like, like the people, like, who are, like, the stand-ins for Mahomes, Rogers, and then the stand-in for uh, Jake from State Farm is Drake. So that was, that was, I think, that was my favorite one, I think. Just because I do like Jake from State Farm. He seems like a nice, approachable guy. He seems like a good dude, and he probably, he probably is, I hope he gets employee of the year at, at State Farm. Actually, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny, because when I was working, um... Uh, this one place a couple years ago on Fridays, I used, always used to wear a red a red collared shirt and khaki pants. So they always, I was I was always called uh, Jake from State Farm. Listen, they should have just said Joe from State Farm. Then it would have made more sense. But then you'd be like, "Who's Joe?" And then you would have to explain, "Oh, it's not Joe." It, you know, we're thinking about the Jake thing. And is it? Well, you know yeah, what, Richard? Pernell. I would listen. I would have called you like <laughs> Joe from State Farm. <laughs> yeah. I, I always just love some of those. Where it's like, "What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm?" uh khakis <laughs> I, I you know what i hope that that marriage that married couple was able to sustain well past that because that obviously was a, was a pretty intense moment in the middle of the night for both of them you know what was a pretty intense like several moments for for two people malcolm and marie on netflix uh, i forgot we were talking about this <laughs> <laughs> for, for a hot second i was like I was I was in absolute like like just bliss just, <sighs> and then Malcolm and Marie, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> okay, so real quick, if you don't know the the backstory behind this, so last what June or July or whatever, obviously we were in lockdown, and John David Washington Zendaya. And Sam Levinson, who worked with Zendaya on Euphoria, which I like. Euphoria is a good show. Have you seen Euphoria? I have. I have not, but I, I've I've heard I've heard mixed things on Euphoria. It's. It, I think it's a pretty good show, but it's also one of those shows. It's like it's it's like it's interest it's interesting. <laughs> you know, they're 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 like it's a it's a very um mm. interesting viewpoint of like teenage life and school and stuff and like. You know, it's it's weird, but you know, I, I at first I was a bit like skeptical on it, but I, I admittedly got into it as it went on, and Zendaya's really good in it. I believe it. Yeah, this I don't like all that much. <laughs> Malcolm and Marie isn't that good. Yeah, I I'll I'll never forget. Um, one of my friends posted who is much more positive on the film than we are, and he said film Twitter's gonna hate this, and I'm like, I can uh I can see why. <laughs> Look, all right. Um, the whole movie is literally just John David Washington and Zendaya in a house, which I get. Again, they could o- they could only do so much with whatever it was they were doing. Um, so they're in a house, and it's like it's like the 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 evening after they just went to a big movie premiere for John David Washington's character's movie or whatever. Malcolm, pardon me. That I was trying to figure out what are their names again? Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> and so Malcolm just had a big movie premiere and he's like he's he's gassed. He's just like so fueled with energy cuz he he just had a great time and Zendaya clearly did not have a good time. No. No, no, no. And basically it all like stems from the fact that Malcolm in his acceptance speech uh pr- when they premiered the movie forgot to thank her and then as the night plays out we periodically are learning more and more of why that pissed her off 
not like all at once, but like more, <laughs> more and more. And it becomes like a weird back and forth. Like they start yelling at each other, then they stop and they like have sex or they attempt to have sex. Then they start yelling at each other again, but it, this time they switch up. So like it's this person yelling at that person or that person yelling at this person. And then they stop and then they have sex or they try to have sex. And then, then they yell at each other again. And it's literally this really weird, uncomfortable cycle of nonsense until it gets to a point that it could have gotten to much sooner had it been a short film, which I personally think it sh- should have been. But I'm happy if you're able to make a movie safely with people during a time people couldn't get jobs and you were able to pay these people. Cool, great. Least you could have done <laughs> is is make a movie worth watching. <laughs> Yeah, I just felt incredibly uncomfortable throughout this whole time. I learned about some some of the backstory of this film. I was watching Breakfast All Day's review. I'll have to send you the link, Richard, because I think they go into more specifics as to some of the events that inspire might have inspired this. And just kind of like knowing that and also just the way the, the, the story unfolds and the way sometimes the characters speak. It just it just left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, Zendaya is very good, and she comes out in this be- better than John David Washington. But that's only because I feel like John David Washington's character, the way he's written, like with some some of his like I think think about the one scene in particular where he's just really he's just going on and on. But like Ed Wood made alien movies and panties. It's literally one shot. It's one yeah. damn shot, and he just keeps walking back and forth. And I'm like, this isn't John David Washington anymore. This is someone venting something more personal than we realize. But if you want to check it out, it is on, it is on Netflix. That's not some, some type of endorsement, but we, <laughs> I am very curious what you guys think about this. Uh, just like I said, I know we usually send like the social media stuff at the end of the show, but if you want to let us, let us know your thoughts, just you know, send us a thing on Insta, Twitter, or you know, Facebook. Listen, I still need to share the post from today, and I missed yesterday, so I might even just post our reviews of Balcom and Marie. <laughs> Except my, mine's really long. Basically me saying, I'm, I'm probably going to hear a lot of uh, comparisons between this and Marriage Story, which is also about like a tough relationship, but the difference being that Marriage Story felt like a, a feature film. Yeah. Whereas this felt like a someone tried to adapt the one viral clip and then padded it out to be a, like super padded it out to be a to be a feature. It's kind of like um, I remember Kevin Smith once saying that Batman v Superman was just an adaptation of the one scene in The Dark Knight Returns that Zack Snyder liked. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. So Malcolm and Marie is the is the BVS of relationship movies. I don't know if I'll see this again because I do like trying to see things twice. Just I like see, trying to see things twice just to give it a better perspective. But you know, at this point, I don't think I'll be revisiting this one for a while. Even though I could just go upstairs right now without dropping an extra dime and just watch it. It's it's one of those things you just don't know if you want to. You just yeah. You know, the first time it was definitely like nah. I'm good. Uh, but. Anyhow, you you have been watching some movies, and there's one in particular I, I think you've been wanting to talk about on the show that uh, I didn't get to watch yet. Yeah, you you gun of a son, you you don't don't bite your lip at me. <laughs> you stop that with your teeth. 
You're 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 wiggling. Um, <laughs> at a ah, Joe. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Too soon. You got him a son. Ugh. Anyway, so <laughs> no, but I'm thinking instead of like you know how they say like it's not too late, it's never too late. Is that Three Days Grace song, or whatever? It's not too soon. It's never too soon. Hey, well, hold on. Sing, sing more. We might have to pay copyright. Just saying. <laughs> Dude, you are so like you are so scared. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> listens. Listen, just, just on my toes all the time. Man, that must be exhausting <laughs> to be on your toes all the time. Oh my Jeez. god. Lynch, live 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 a world in heels and you and <laughs> That's just me. Just always I, I just wear heels now. It's just easier. Okay. Okay. But anyway, so every now and then we like to do episodes on this show where we highlight creators and performers. We've we've done we've kind of done it in the past. Like there was kind like that the the Scott Pilgrim Tintin episode had kind of an Edgar Wright focus, and uh, we have a few more episodes coming up. I think where we're trying to spotlight some people. This episode we wanted to talk about uh, a new guy on the block. He's only listen. He's only made three movies. He's already a Best Picture nominated director. He just signed a five-year exclusive deal with Disney, with his production company. Like, this guy, Ryan Coogler, is who we're talking about, and he's killing it. He's doing so good right now, and he deserves it. His movies are fantastic. And we're only talking about two of them in this episode, but I but I, I figured, just for a brief moment, we could talk about the first one, just to, like, balance it out. So I asked a certain someone... If if at any point they could possibly watch, you know that um, <laughs> that first movie, <laughs> and um, did did they do that? Spoiler alert! Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joey. <laughs> You're welcome, Richard. Anytime. Uh, anyway, so. The first movie he directed was a movie called Fruitvale Station. It came out in 2013, and it's all about Oscar Grant. Do you know about this? Do you remember this at all? Uh, yes, vaguely. So, in case you don't know the story, Oscar Grant was a kid in um, in California who was detained by police, and it got really rough. A police officer put his knee on Oscar Grant's head. And another police officer proceeded to shoot him in the back, killing him. Which, unfortunately, is something that still happens to this day. And so, at that at that moment, um, I think Ryan Coogler was in college. If I remember reading this correctly, he was in school when this was happening. And he wanted to make a movie about it to, to also tell, on one hand, to tell Oscar Grant's story. But on another hand, to shine a spotlight on stuff like this you know we there's a lot you know there's a few other movies that do the same thing Mm -hmm. do the right thing comes to mind as a movie that shines a light on on that as well and so the way the movie plays out is from the very beginning you know what's going to happen they remind you listen this is what's going to happen at the end of the movie and then the rest of the movie plays out with oscar grant who's played by michael b jordan and 
This is his entire last day of his entire life. And so, like, he he just got off... Like, this is the character in the movie, by the way. So he just got out of a really bad lifestyle. He was in prison. He was selling drugs. And he wants to make a better life for himself for both his girlfriend and his daughter and his mom and everybody else in his life. The whole time, it's just a building point. It's just everything that happens to him. The more you fall in love with him and his family and everyone around him, the worse it feels. Mm -hmm. Because you know what's going to happen. And admittedly, there are even times that it feels a little bit like on the nose or like they're kind of like it's a little bit too over dramatized not to say it didn't happen but like there, like there's a point um when they're in san francisco watching the fireworks and they have to stop in one uh area to try and go to the bathroom um and a store owner lets him lets his girlfriend and his friend's girlfriend in to, to use the bathroom and they all wait outside and then another guy comes up uh with his pregnant wife uh, so she can use the bathroom and then he and Oscar start talking and then basically they, they kind of bond for a moment and the guy mentions that he runs like a pretty like good working startup company and offers Oscar a job like a like a life changing job you yeah in one hand you're like oh god if this actually happened that like that would kill me <laughs> it's like, just to see something like that and then to know what's going to happen afterwards. Like, admittedly, it might have been a little over-dramatized, but it still, it doesn't change how effective it was when the, when the moment happens. And they don't, they don't shy away from it. They're like, this is, this is what happens. This, this is exactly what happens, how it plays out. Right. And the whole time Oscar's on the ground, all he could say is, I have a daughter. Oh, the, man. the police officer who shot him, at least in, like, in real life, like, Apparently, in his defense, he thought he pulled a taser and not his gun. I'm like, you know the weight difference. You have to know the weight difference. You have to know what you're doing. You're going to pull a gun after you've already detained him, after he's already got a knee on his neck? Come on. It's 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 incredibly worth watching, but at the same time, like it, it, does frust it just frustrates you with everything that's been going on. So, it's, it's, it's a really good... You definitely can see why... After this, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan really started to like get people's attention. Yeah, no, um, I haven't. I, I I look forward to finally seeing this movie sometime, uh, sometime this week uh, or pr pretty soon because um, it's definitely been one that's been on my watch list for a very long time, especially after seeing the two films that we're talking about today. And what is that first one due to? Well, this first one, you know is uh is 2015's creed Woo, punch noises damn it that's <laughs> <laughs> one day <laughs> so creed um this was a movie i'd been i'm so i'm thinking back to 2015 and even earlier you know, because I, you can't talk about Creed without talking about the franchise that it's a part of, and that's the Rocky franchise, which I am not in any way familiar with outside of the first movie. And <laughs> I'm the opposite because the first Rocky is one of my uncle's favorite movies. You know, you know, he saw the first one as a kid, and I remember watching those movies uh, when I would hang out with my uncle when I was a kid. 
I remember, you know, when we would go to toy stores and stuff and he was trying to find, like, the, they were making, like, Rocky figures at the time. So he was trying to find... Like the, the McFarlane ones? I think they were McFarlane. Um, they, were, they were pretty nice figures. Um, were they, like, the... Like the sports ones that McFarland does sometimes, where it's like a pose. Um, I don't think it was like a pose. No, because they they were they were a bit more poseable. I don't, I'm, I I I I've, I got to find pictures of them. But and I also remember too. I have fond memories of Rocky because it was the one time I was allowed to skip CCD because we were going to see, um, we were going to see Balboa, Balboa, Rocky Balboa, um, and that's a whole other story which I will not get into on this show, but. We, we saw that movie, and it, it's a fine movie, Rocky Balboa, and at that point we figured that was the end of Rocky, right? But then a few years later, um, I remember my uncle sending me an like an article or something about how they're making a spinoff of Rocky called Creed, where Rocky becomes the mentor character and has to train... Apollo Creed's son, and for those who are not familiar with Rocky, Apollo Creed was uh, Rocky's a two-time opponent turned, like, best bud, basically, uh, you know, played by Carl Weathers, who you may recognize from as Grief, Car- Grief Carga from Mandalorian. Jo- what? Jo- jo- Joey, slow down. I'm trying to write this down. Okay. Carl Weathers Grief Are you done? Sharkin. um but i just want to make sure regardless it sounded like a really cool premise and then 2015 also just had like a lot of movies that year in particular that were sort of like soft reboots or like like reboot sequels like you had the force awakens Mm -hmm. of course and you had mad max fury road and this has some some things in common more with the force awakens where and a little bit mad max because it's sort of like in, in a weird sense sort of a remake of the original film in its series in certain respects. Yeah. Not, not the exact same details, but you know, it has that vibe. It had the vibes though. And it even, I think it even had some scenes that kind of called back to the original one a little bit. Yeah. That was something that I noticed because I've only seen the first one. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fresh in my mind. Yeah. But no, it's definitely, it's definitely like force awakens, but, the difference being that Force Awakens feels more like a New Hope nostalgia trip, whereas Creed feels like its own movie. The callbacks also feel natural, or they feel a lot more natural yeah. in this than they did. In <laughs> There's not a point when Michael B. Jordan does, you know, Adonis Johnson is like, you know, running in the gym, and then and then Rocky's going, "Hey, why don't you use? Hey, you know, why don't you use those gloves? Those." Man, those gloves are garbage. <laughs> and then it just pans over, and then and then you just see, da, 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 and it's just Rocky's gloves. <laughs> the garbage gloves will do, I guess. Oh. Yeah, you know, I was just saying they might do well for you. Um, but but Creed, it was, <laughs> and the trailers looked really good. And then when I saw it in 2015, which I didn't know this, but it was released November 25th, 2015, which was the 40th anniversary of the of the date of the opening scene in Rocky. Oh, when when he's when he's fighting Spider, uh, I believe Spider Rico in that opening scene. It's the four like it was the 40th anniversary of when that scene took place or whatever. <laughs> you know, just to be yeah, you know, just in case you're not aware. That's pretty cool though. Actually, I I don't remember the date all that much. I was just like. 
he just starts like wailing on him in that opening scene just like poo poo and then it's like he's the winner and everyone's like you're a bum yeah that's what i remember i uh, see my, my main memory of rocky of rocky is i should have broke your thumb <laughs> so see my mine is i'm gonna kiss you you kiss me back if you don't want but i'm gonna kiss you <laughs> Yeah. But enough of uh, uh, en- enough of that. So this movie it, it's an interesting situation because it is the seventh film the seventh film in the oddly consistent Rocky franchise. I mean, not consistent in terms of tone, but I think I guess to be to say like most of the movies are at least entertaining to watch. Right. Um and so you have Would that you, Well, here's yeah. I do have one question. Would you consider, I mean, technically it's a spinoff, but it also plays off like more of just, like you were saying, it's the seventh movie. It plays off kind of like a sequel. I, I would, a little I, bit. I consider it a sequel for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I it's almost, it's, it's kind of hard in, a, in, a, in some respects to say that it's just a spinoff because Rocky is very much involved. Like if it was just Adonis and then like he was doing his thing and it just so happened that like if they showed glimpses and stuff of, of Rocky, but it continues Rocky's story, mm-hmm. yeah. As much as it, as much as it is the beginning of Adonis's story, so I would argue it's it definitely feels more like a sequel. No, yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, it feels like that, but it's also there's also gener- like generations of people who, a generation of people who probably have never seen Rocky, and they might just know Michael B. Jordan, you know, or they they just they they know they're like, oh, this this looks interesting, you know this. Because again, when you have like a movie with a young, with a young, uh, young black lead, it's like okay, there's some people. There are people who will be like, you have my attention now. I'm curious to see where this leads, and it almost and it's yeah, and it's Michael B. Jordan who you just look at him like anybody. You just look at him, you're like, yeah, I want to see that. But it's also <laughs> funny too because you know what? You know what came out the year that Creed came out? Oh wait, is it what I think it is? It's Fat Four Stick. I was gonna sell oh God. Oh. That case, and I, I, I'll never forget. There were some reviews and like people saying, "Oh, this, this, you know, this redeemed Michael B. Jordan." It's like, listen, Michael B. Jordan didn't need redemption. He just, just needed to work with a quality uh, production. You know, listen, listen my, I don't. Besides Fan Four Stick, there's probably at least some of his earlier movies that I'd seen. There probably wasn't anything that I didn't like. Like I even like Chronicle as, as kind of, you know, it's definitely my least favorite. Amongst like the kind of earlier Michael B. Jordan movies, like the bigger ones, mm-hmm. but at least I liked it, and I liked him in it. Yeah, even though you know, spoiler alert, but they kill him. Yeah, um, like yeah, what the hell, Josh Trank? Was was this was this movie meant to make up for you killing him in the movie? What's going on, Josh Trank? I'm sorry, but it, it was a we. It was also an interesting experience too when you saw it, when I saw it in theaters. Because it was like a it was like a melting pot. Because you saw like old white dudes in the theater, who of course saw probably saw Rocky back in nineteen seventy six, and you see have a new generation of of younger people, you mm-hmm. know, seeing this movie. Maybe they they watch Rocky, but also maybe they're like, hey, I, I identify with you know Adonis, ident- uh, this 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 young actor. But I know I I've talked a lot about this. I, I really want to know your thoughts because like you as I we said, you're not. A few things. A, you're not a major sports film fan or a major fan of sports in general. No. Um, and B, you've only seen the first Rocky. 
you've never watched the other movies. And that was a bit of a concern. Because obviously earlier on in one of our episodes, I mentioned watching Rocky for, you know, a homework assignment. This was it, by the way. I just never, listen, I don't hate or dislike all sports movies. There's some that I like. There's the football movies, a few things here and there. A lot of them are comedies. Like I like I grew up with Little Giants, mm-hmm. which is, is is like a cute little sports movies for kids. Um, I watch. I I kind of consider A Knight's Tale a sports movie, which it plays off like a like a freaking sports movie. So it's hard. It's it's like someone went, let's do a sports movie, but about jousting, mm. and why not? Right, because it was a big sport back in those days. And then tie it to the Canterbury Tales for some reason. I don't know. It's just fun that way. <laughs> um, and it was the first time I saw Paul Bettany in a movie. So there you go. There you. There and you Alan Tudyk, who are both actors I would love and still love to this day. I I definitely went into this knowing that I loved the other movies I'd seen that Ryan Coogler made. I like Michael B. Jordan quite a bit. And I wanted to have some kind of context before going in. So I watched the first Rocky movie. Little did I know how little of importance Apollo Creed really was to that movie as far as, like, character. <laughs> so I'm like, this guy's, like, where's the, where, where's the like, villainy? Where's the buildup? Like, what's going on here? Then I'm like, then, then you're like, well, that happens in the next one. I'm like, god damn it. Do I have to watch that now? <laughs> I didn't, by the way. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I decided to watch Fruitvale Station instead, which I, I, I'm happy I watched. So I, I definitely went into this with, with very little knowledge without outside of stuff that you just told me in conversation. I ended up loving this movie. I was really into it. like, And I was really into not just like the character stuff, which the character stuff's great, but I was actually into the boxing stuff, mm. which is usually the part of the movies that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fun. You kind of, Like a lot of sports movies, you can kind of guess how it plays out. Like you have... You know, the training moments, inspirational speeches from the coaches, uh, a one-on-one with the star player and the coach like, you can do it. I don't know if I can. You can. My home life sucks. I'm doing drugs. You can get over it. You can win. Make your family proud. Stuff like that. And then then the game plays out and they either lose, but they're humbled, or they win and it's triumphant. And credits. And I'm like, whatever, cool. I've seen this a million times. And it's always like a big star is the coach. And some new up-and-coming actor. It's like, you know, remember the Titans? You have Denzel Washington coaching a bunch of, like, kids. You got um, Keanu Reeves and Hardball coaching a bunch of kids. You know, it's it's the sa- it's kind of like bio music biopics. They're just kind of the same. And it's a bit repetitive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not to downplay the quality, because I'm sure, that you know, some some of those movies you like and that's fine but i just it's a bit repetitive and boring to me this wasn't that it's not <laughs> this actually was this actually had passion it had great character work it had nice little in references and things it it had genuine like drama in it and one of the and one of the big things that I was kind of surprised was sort of absent from the original Rocky movie. This movie had boxing. <laughs> like for like a movie like the when you see that poster and it's just Rocky with like like just sweat and blood on his face with his boxing gloves and like a towel or like the American flag or whatever. I'm like, "Okay, so there's going to be some boxing." Opening thing, boxing. 
Life of Rocky, little montages. Boxing at the end lasts very lasts for like ten minutes. It's montaged credits. The end. I think, in fairness, part of that I think is because Rocky is such has become such a like pop culture icon. Yeah, that your 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 ex your expectations were that there would be a lot of boxing in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Sylvester yeah. Stallone acting like a goofball occasionally, which yeah, he does. Happens. He does very much so. You know, but. And you know what? I definitely I don't blame the movie entirely even for for that. I I completely agree that it's uh, there a lot of it was expectation based on word of mouth and build up and just the fact this movie is an icon. Um and and at the end of the day, the movie isn't entirely supposed to be about boxing. It's it's like it's about Rocky and it's about his whole thing. So I get I I completely understand that. I was just—it was just a surprise, ultimately, how little boxing is in the movie for a movie that is advertised to be a, a boxing movie. With Creed, it's—it's it's not that. Um, he—he he wants to be a fighter. It's in his genes, basically, as they not like actually describe it, but it's kind of that. You make it sound like a science fiction plot. Like, it, you know what? It's like kind—it somebody... kind of is, though, in a weird way, because like he's like, because like he like like um uh Felicia uh what's her name. Ah, uh, why, uh, why is her Felicia last Felicia Rashad? Yes, thank you. Who's amazing? We this this is a Felicia Rashad fan podcast. By the way, we love her. Um, she comes in to uh, when Adonis is in prison as a little kid in the beginning of the movie, and she, and she's like, "Was he caught fighting?" <laughs> it's like <laughs> she just knows that her kid like has this. A, like Apollo Gene in him that he just wants to fight regardless of the fact he doesn't know who his dad is. So it kind of feels like a science fiction kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's got the Apollo Gene now in I'm just him. Im- We need to extract it <laughs> now, and get the perfect box. Now I'm imagining like Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, but he's Dr. S- Dr. Balboa. He's like a mad scientist <laughs> trying to clone like his best friend. And, and you see like, hey, no, my experiments work. No, 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 no. But instead of like seeing Snoke in like a tube, you have like Mickey in a tube. <laughs> hey, you know, I've been every voice you've ever heard in your head. <laughs> Hey, hey, Rock, did, did you ever try to clone Polly? Hey, you know, I'm not going to do that, you know. I don't want to have to deal with that. I just don't, I don't like that guy. <laughs> but beyond our goofy science fiction plot for a great drama. <laughs> beyond that. No, yeah, yeah. Um, it is a very good movie, and it, it's a nice balance between the, the, the more boxing half of it as well as the 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 drama of it, they uh, they have that nice balance, and you care about everything that Adonis is going through. I mean, and you want him to be a fighter. You know, he goes to Philadelphia, and Ryan Coogler also puts Philadelphia on the spotlight. Like, you know, he's like highlighting some of the like cool elements of the city. We get that nice shot of a Philly cheesesteak. Oh yeah, like it, like you just it just makes you hungry. Oh, when he's going in there with Tessa Thompson, who's also great in this movie. It's it's so much fun. And one of the best scenes in the whole movie, like going back to the boxing stuff, is obviously that one take boxing scene, which I'd heard about and I really wanted to watch it. But I had but I wanted to wait till watching this movie. It's it was so good. Yeah. Like the framing of it and and the way that they did oh, it was brutal. 
Yeah. And the and the and the edits, the way the way that they're able to put it all. Oh my god. I think about like later on in the film when when you see like the blood splat the blood splashes or like see the marks or and, and just like just so, so just like the way the hits are, you know, it really just conveys to you how much of a brutal sport boxing really is. And again, like you think about you think about it too because like the Rocky movies, it's like like some of it got far fetched, like with like Ivan Drago and, and you know and the shenanigans in Rocky Five, and then the fact that Rocky Balboa was allowed to even go into the ring in Rocky Balboa, like what you know. But th- this really, I, I and it, and you really do like sympathize with Felicia Rashad's character because she saw and actually experienced you know what her what her husband went through. Like she's she talks about how like do you, do do you want to be like like to, your arms are so exhausted you can't even wipe yourself after you go to the bathroom or like i've had to carry him upstairs i had to carry him so many countless nights couldn't even speak yes like and you really get and, and this, a lot of this is stuff that you don't really as far as i remember you don't really get too much of that in like the older rocky movies you get some brutality here and there but it you never get to hear you, stuff you like don't that. It doesn't get really, at least with the first one, it never, to my memory, got specific about it. Like, you, you could clearly tell that Adrian and a few other people in Rocky's life kind of were like, you know, you don't have to do this. But they didn't really go into the details of what could happen. Like, again, you know, the, the tiredness, the aches, the brain damage, possible death, which is obviously what happened to Apollo, which I know because you told me I didn't see the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty important to know, to know that detail because like, yeah, I, you were like, you know, cause I think the ones you should really watch, you really need to watch Rocky and you got to watch like Rocky four is like the other one. Cause as ridiculous as it is and about like the cold war and all that, it's very important for this series of movies because of the situation that Adonis, um, Adonis finds himself in. But I, I do like the brutality that they have one of like, and you think about to I just love like the one of my favorite moments I really forgot about was after like he he wins that fight uh, when he's in like I think he's in Tijuana or whatever mm-hmm. and you see him at his desk desk and you see him at his desk job just like and, just and, like, like the straight see, like, rubbing cut his to knuckles. it yeah just like yeah like no like no indication no like setup thing he's just straight to his desk and you're like yeah I feel I feel that <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. And he just got a nice promotion, and he goes to a nice mansion, and it's like, you can tell, like, he didn't really need to do this for any kind of particular reason, but he wanted to. Because mm-hmm. he wanted to, like, the whole the whole point of Adonis's character is he wants to prove himself outside of the legacy of his father. Yeah. So, like, the whole time, he's like, I want to be billed as Adonis Johnson. I don't want to be Creed. I don't want I I want to prove that I can be my own fighter, which is I imagine that's something that a lot of people with famous relatives or parents probably go through a little bit. Like I think of like a lot there's a lot of actors getting into the business now who are also the child of someone who is famous and is, has like a tenure and a legacy. And it does kind of make me wonder, like, what do they think when, like, because there's, there's guaranteed there's one person, and they, this happens even in the movie a little bit. There's one person that'll be like, oh, it was nepotism. Mm-hmm. That's how they were able to, like, open those doors and do all this stuff. And they don't have any real, like, that's kind of the whole shtick with the guy that he boxes. He's like, he's just a creed. Right. He, didn't wor- he didn't work for this. He didn't, you know, pay his dues like everybody else did. He just said, my name is, uh, my name is Adonis Creed, and that's how he got into this thing. He doesn't have the worth. And clearly he does. And he found out. 
in the ring. But but he also he also needed to 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 understand too like really how to work for these things as well. Like yeah. you know yeah, it's one thing that he was able to go like sixteen and zero or like fifteen and zero in Tijuana. It's another thing entirely to go into go into a ring of like I, I think about the scene uh, when he goes to that one training facility and he offers up his car to like see if anybody can n- knock him out. And he gets knocked. Yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> he gets laid on the mat, and like, and the thing is, like, it's not like an initial thing. Like, I feel like any other movie would have been like, first guy, right, punch him right in the face, he's down. But no, they actually like say like, no, he actually can throw a punch, and he knocks out the first guy, and then one guy is like looking at his, and it's a real boxer too. I looked this up. That was a, the guy that laid him out is a real boxer. That's pretty cool. So, and that was one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, too. This leads to, like, one funny little anecdote when we were watching the movie. So, we're watching we're watching Rocky. Not Rocky. We're watching Creed. This We're at the scene when Rocky takes Adonis to this other training camp to, you know, get away from his opponent, essentially, uh, that, that he had at the time. And they meet up with all these people. And I recognized one guy. I recognized one guy from actual boxing. His name's Stitch. Like, I think that's his nickname. I know he works with the Mayweather uh, gym, and I know he's worked with, like, Floyd Mayweather and those guys. And, uh, like, he banded, he does, like, the, the the bandages on the on the arms for, like, sparring and stuff. And, like, when they put their hands in the gloves and everything. So he, he and, he, like, he, I'm sure he does a lot more than that. But I recognized him, and then for a brief moment, Joey thought I was somewhat of an expert in boxing. <laughs> and so later on they mentioned like the abcs or whatever of boxing and i make a joke about it and joey's like i swore i thought you were gonna spew a fact (laughs) (laughs) like i knew one guy (laughs) Um, i mean that is really cool though they get you know when you get actual like boxing people and it's also kind of fun too in some of these movies when they get actual like sports like broadcasters mm. to come on like i think about in this movie max kellerman who i think is currently on espn as i'm doing this um he's like one of the commentators on the on like the final fight mm-hmm. or in the last one i always i always quote this uh skip bayless is is in the la- is in the la- in the rocky balboa and he's like honestly i think rocky balboa is completely overrated <laughs> i I, uh, when you sent me that video montage of like the the other Rocky movies, I, I saw uh, they showed that, and I was like, uh, "That was pretty funny." <laughs> there's, there's, there's the line, um, but I I, that, I I do like that. It's kind of a, a sort of like slight inversion of the first one because the first one, as you said, people called Rocky a bum, a nobody, mm. you know, and it was really that first movie, and in some ways, this one. Is is about our main character proving that he can go the distance, even if they don't win, because they don't win. Yeah. In the first Rocky or Creed, like you were talking about that with sports movies, where it's like they get humbled or they win triumphantly or whatever. Yeah. In Rocky, I feel like it's kind of a mixture where it's like, okay, he lost, but you know what? He went as far as he did. I agree. And that is, it's, I it's agree. like I think about the Cleveland Browns. I think about the Cleveland Browns. You uh, know, yeah. after years <laughs> and years of intense mediocrity, intense mediocrity. They proved that they can win a playoff game. Yeah. They proved they could they could go they could go they didn't win the Super Bowl this year. They didn't go to the AFC championship or anything like that, but they proved they could go the distance. And and who who did who did they beat in that playoff game, Joey? They beat they beat the Steelers, but we don't talk about that too much here on the show. <laughs> but but um but let's talk about the Steelers for a second and how bad they were. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, they were bad. But anyway, uh I can't I can't, you know, I but, can't. but 
yeah, so obviously Michael B. Jordan is fantastic in this movie. You you do like his character a lot, but he he does have a temper. He does, which he I does. do find in a lot of scenes is pr- is pretty believable, you know. And it, I I think about the scene where we're mentioning where somebody calls him Baby Creed. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I could I could totally like you know I could totally see because as somebody like my father passed away when I was very young. And you hear people like kind of like they say things and they don't mean things, they always mean things mm-hmm. to like offend you or anything like that. But you kind of like, I'm kind of my own, I, I want to try to be my own guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I get it that you're trying to cope with the fact that my, my, my dad's no longer here and you have great memory, you know, but I'm, a, I'm also a different person too, you know, and so I could totally, obviously I don't have somebody like who is near in the spotlight, like Apollo Creed. I could sort of kind of get under, sort of understand that, um, and then, and this is a Rocky. And movie. it was on top yeah. of that too. It's like after he found out, because the big plot point is that we find out Rocky has cancer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it was kind of a build-up point for sure with that because we see we see uh, Adonis trying to like plead to Rocky, hey, you know, get the treatments, fight the cancer, and then Rocky, who by this point when we meet him has already given up. You know, he lost Adrian, he lost Polly, he's basically by himself. He's well into his life. I mean, even just Sylvester Stallone is like what seventy something. He's he's up there. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this for every person in this age group, but like a lot of people in this age group, they just come to a point where they're like, yeah, I'm at the end of my rope. You know, I I've 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 lived my life experience. I think I'm I think I'm ready for just to you know have it all go. He's seventy four. Uh, he's seventy four, by the way. Yeah. Um, but and I think a lot of that comes through because. Yeah, obviously Kugler co-wrote the screenplay, but Stallone handled his own dialogue, which I thought I think is a pretty smart choice, because who knows who knows Rocky better than Sylvester Stallone? The answer is nobody. No, you know they they go hand they go hand in hand, and let me tell you, like obviously people make jokes about Sylvester Stallone and some of the dumb action movies he's been in, or just his voice, or just Sylvester Stallone in general. But it's like he's damn good in this movie. He is. He is very good in this movie, and. Again, yeah, like he has made some dumb movies, but he has made a legacy for himself as a as a movie star, as an action star. Whether or not he's good in whatever it is you're watching him in, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, he he has made like you know Sylvester Stallone. People people have their their own impressions of his take on Rocky as Sylvester Stallone. I actually, I remember I saw him in person at Comic-Con when he was doing the panel for The Expendables. Uh-huh. It was, like, 2010. Like, even though he was, like, so far away, like, he, he was it was kind of exciting. Yeah. You know? Like, I was more excited to see him than I was to see, like, um, Jason Statham or, like, uh, anyone else that was in Expendables. And then, like... Bruce Willis showed up and I'm like, put your mask on. But you know, that, that was something he, he, I would hope he would learn later, but of course he hasn't. Oh my God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but dude, uh, the, the, one of the, the scenes that like, it really gets me every, like every time. And I got goosebumps, like thinking about it is when he goes to like the cemetery to visit Adrian and Polly, you know, and he's, he's got the, mm-hmm. cha- he's and got he pulls the, the, chair. the chair out of the tree. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and especially too, as somebody who has been like a Rocky fan or somebody watched the Rocky movies their whole life. And just you go, you come to that point, and you realize how much time has passed, and you re- and really just it just feels so natural too, because again, Stallone is Sylvester Stallone is Rocky Balboa, you know, and like heaven forbid they ever do a reboot 
uh, of, of Rocky. I, it's probably I'll probably one they of the, sh- the, they they better not. It's one of the honestly. few. I like. It's one of the few things where I say ugh. don't touch that. Like d- like don't like anything else. I'll be like, okay, give it a crack. No, don't don't touch Rocky. <laughs> but they're getting ballsy with those remakes these days. So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But I would hope that they're smart enough not to. Um, you know, so like that 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 felt very natural. I, I really liked that. Um, even just like some of the lines, like when he's doing the training with him and they're chasing like the chicken, yeah, like, they're chasing the chickens, <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, uh, the chickens got got slower. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely, you know what? One of the one of the great things about this movie is that it has a balance of everything. So you get the violence and of the boxing, but you also get the passion and the endurance of the boxing. And then you also get those dramatic moments, but you also get nice moments of levity and comedy that, again, feel natural. Like, nothing feels um, forced or ham-fisted or put into your face or anything. Like, everything feels genuine and organic. And, like, again, my big takeaway is that Ryan Coogler made me care about sports. Not just not just the sports movie I was watching, but the sport in the movie. I actually was like, I was cheering when he was in the ring. I was like, get him! Yeah, yeah. Go Adonis! It was very, it was actually very exciting. It was still very exciting because the last time I saw this was 2015, and I could tell you, like, people in the theater were cheering, you know, like it, like it was like an actual match, and it was very exciting watching it with you this time because this is only my second time ever seeing this movie mm-hmm. and let me tell you it's still it the the the, the damn thing still works it still works it's it's aggressive it's it's passionate but it's also funny and charming and moving and emotional it's 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 all the best elements of any kind of movie mixed into this rocky spin-off sequel thing and a lot of it too has to do with Ryan Coogler. I mean, he clearly, you know, knew exactly what he wanted, knew what he was doing, knew the approach he wanted, and of course, he already has a great rapport with Michael B. Jordan. So those two are like, uh, those are like, it's like Scorsese and De Niro. Yeah, you know, like there's clearly a, a rapport, especially because they've been in, you know, every movie that he's been in every movie that Coogler's made. So there's that nice uh, shorthand they probably have. Two things. I just want to bring up Tessa Thompson in this movie. She's very good um, in in this. I think, and she has all her whole story arc is kind of is kind of heartbreaking too. I was thinking about the scene where like they get into like an ar- argument, and she just because she has progressive hearing loss, she turns off her hearing aids. Oh, and, and when when they're having that argument, oh. that, that's I I completely forgot about that when I wa- when we rewatched it, and I'm like, oh my, oh gosh. that punches you right in the heart. Ow. <laughs> um, and I think the relationship, like, not to harp, we've been talking about this movie for a while, but not to harp on this too much, but it's, like, we were talking about, like, the relationship in this movie, how it's a lot more, we felt it was, like, a lot more balanced mm-hmm. in, comparison, in comparison to, I guess, what we had with, with Rocky and Adrian in a lot of ways. Yes, it is much more balanced. I, and I knew... <laughs> it was like, much more like, balanced. Just, just for that. <laughs> um, and then one more thing I really wanted to mention, too, is that that final scene... Uh, when they're going going up the steps, you know, it's like you can see, it's like you can see your whole life ahead of you, you know, mm. and just like seeing everything, like, oh man, it's like it, I, you know, in some ways, I wish this was the last Rocky movie because mm. that is just like that's just a perfect like summation, like conclusion on this weird, wacky, strange, but also heartwarming journey journey of this 
this this this boxer who slur sometimes just can't speak right, but then like goes the distance, fights the Soviets, and then trains a young Michael B. Jordan. What more can be said, really? What more? What more can be said? Anyhow, uh, that was our thoughts on Creed. We're gonna take a quick, uh, quick intermission, uh, and when the bell rings, we're gonna talk about another Ryan Coogler film. Stay tuned. Welcome back. In our last segment, we talked about this goofy science fiction movie called Creed. <laughs> the Creed Project. The Creed Project. Um, but no, we talked about Creed in our last segment, and now, this is a long time coming, we are talking about one of the biggest movies of the last few years, the Best Picture-nominated MCU Ryan Coogler directed film from 2018, Black Panther. Don't you do it. I already did it. I already filled my quota this episode. You'd have to pay me overtime if you want me to do another one this week, honestly. So, um, Do you accept skee-ball tokens? Yeah, those work. All right, I got some for you. Yeah, just, just Venmo me the uh, skee-ball tokens. Um, Black Panther. Black Panther. This was... This film was one of the earliest films we had discussed doing for our podcast. We've, we've wanted to do this for a while, but as you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away to colon cancer, which was incredibly tragic. And we didn't want to talk about this movie around, at least around that time because we didn't want it to be, we didn't want to try to cash in or like have it be like, some kind of like oh you know they're just making this because he's dead like we didn't want because we didn't want that we don't um we just didn't want that right absolutely yeah so enough time has passed we feel that we were able to address this uh and talk about this movie finally because we love this movie we just uh at the very top of this we have to say you know rest in peace again to chadwick boseman i mean he's he was a great performer uh, I, I like I mentioned a couple episodes ago. I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He's amazing in the movie. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. He's so good in the movie. Um, he's also great in you know like Forty Two, Marshall, uh, and of course he is the Black Panther. He is the king of Wakanda, and he will be missed. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this man, like, in, in the short time that he had a career, even like before, was an icon. You know, like I, I'll never forget seeing Forty Two in theaters, and I had never heard of Chadwick Boseman before this point. I don't think most people had. And you know, seeing I saw it because Harrison Ford. And it's like, okay, we'll see something on Friday. You know, we have nothing else to do, and it was really good. Forty Two is is a really is a really um really solid movie, and a lot of that is due to Chadwick. Chadwick Boseman. I mean, just hell of an actor. Um, you know, I I really really mourn the fact that we will not be getting more stories featuring his talents. It's 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 the worst. And with with this character, we got, we also have to talk about um, Captain America: Civil War in, in this, like because this like with Creed, this is a part of a a very popular film franchise. Yeah, and this and in most characters like solo movies it's like an origin story but black panther was very unique in that his origin story was already discussed basically already done in another character's film his whole origin in case you haven't seen civil war you know in case you're one of those people <laughs> who just hasn't sat down and watched an mcu movie blah, blah. um I turned into Rocky for a second again. Hey, you know, why don't you watch an MCU movie? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, in Civil War, we meet we meet T'Challa, and he's the prince of Wakanda. His father, T'Chaka, is uh, obviously the king. And they're at the, the, was it the United Nations, right? I think, I, is it the United Nations? I don't it, remember. Well, it was like, the, it was whatever the Sokovia Accord thing that they were doing yeah they, they were they were having that big like official like let's put this into into action Soko uh for, towards the sokovia accords and uh there was a huge explosion and t'challa tries to save his father but fails and so now because of uh his father's death t'challa now has to take over the mantle of not just the leader of wakanda but the black panther himself which is a whole a whole thing and the whole, and with with this movie we're seeing the that new status play out for T'Challa. So we're basically seeing T'Challa's first day or like I guess first moments in his life as the king of Wakanda. And so now he has to like make these decisions like what what would be the best choice for his people? What would be the best um out option in regards to how we should move forward in this in this nation like what should we do and it, it brings forth a lot of interesting questions and so he he struggles with a lot of that including the question of whether or not the past kings were doing the right thing in how they ran wakanda you know what this movie makes me think of in a lot of ways what the lion king and i feel like it's it's an adaptation it feels like an adaptation of the lion king that I don't want to say fixes the Lion King, but it, like there are like questions that people have had with the Lion King over the years. Like, uh, well, well, they really, really don't get to redeem the hyenas all that much, and the hyenas are are just always seen as just the bad guys, henchmen. When really, yeah. it's probably a more a way more complicated relationship than that. And that's kind of one of the things I like about this movie is you get to see really that other perspective. Um, from like the other the other side, like the antagonist perspective, like the movie opens and like you have that you have that story, like it, it almost feels like like kind of like uh, when Simba and Mufasa are talking with each other, mm -hmm. and it's like you know everything everything the light touches, you know, 
you know, kind of moment. And we get, we go to like basically the origin of why this, the, the, our main antagonist played by Michael B. Jordan is the bad guy, (laughs) (laughs) which again, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. We love Michael B. Jordan. He is such a great antagonist. I, uh, it's, it's hard to call him a villain because by definition, he's the movie villain, but Given, you know, his motivations and given everything, like his drive and stuff, he does things that are very much villainous, but it's sort of hard to look at anything he does and go, well... Yeah. So, it's I almost just feel like, not that it makes any difference, but I just call him an, the, the antagonist, but again, it it doesn't... It doesn't change much, but maybe in my brain it's like, okay. Because it's not like other MCU villains where... Even if they have a quote-unquote sympathetic backstory, like, a lot of their stuff is, like, really far-fetched. Like, there might be a dark elf mm-hmm. or, like, a, a prince from, like, Asgard or just some sort of, like, like really, like, colonizing space alien, like, you know, Ego, basically, uh, who's one of my favorite MCU films. But this one, his his origin and backstory feel much more grounded in sort of the re- the realities that um, that we face today. You know, as far as, you know, race and all that stuff. And that's one of the big things with, with this movie is it it really came out at the right time, mm-hmm. basically, with, with all this stuff. And it, it really, it, it, it's a superhero film, but it, it also sort of addresses, like, the the, the, the downfalls and the consequences and the, the, the horrors of, like, imperialism and, you know, colonialism, slavery, of course, uh, by using this nation, you know, in Africa that has has never been colonized because it's been like sort of like a hidden area of Africa that it's able been able to conceal itself but and they decide to sort of remain out of the shadows they're sort of isolationists they don't decide to just help everybody and whenever they do make an appearance it's they try to underplay it in some way you know but now like one of the big problems T'Challa is facing as a king is the world might need some type of intervention. Like even, even just um, when we see Wakanda for the first time, it's not just any kind of like advanced civilization. Like it is enhanced. It is advanced. It is technology. Is it as you know? Claw says in the movie, it is a technological marvel. Pun in- pun intended, obviously, because it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> but um. You, you see Wakanda and it's breathtaking and just seeing like, uh, you know, there's flying ships that, you know, work on like hover, you know, whatever it's hover stuff. I was trying to think of a good word. We're not, we're not, we're not, stuff. we're not very bright on two dudes. So just, just keep that in mind. No. Yeah. We're not very bright at all. You know, we thought Creed was a science fiction movie or I did. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's such a, an advanced civilization, and um, there's so many questions that that are put into place. Like, should Wakanda open their borders? And obviously, everybody has an opinion. T'Challa's troubled by this because he he knows the the ways have always been keep Wakanda hidden, keep it keep it masked, protect our people. And uh, 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 Daniel Kaluuya's character, what's his name? <sighs> I have it. I have it pulled up right here. He's also very good in this movie, of course, as well. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Jeez, Louise. Like I'm seeing like the main cast of this movie, and it's like <laughs> Martin. Uh, okay, uh, Wak- Wakabi. Wakabi. Yes. Um, Wakabi is very much. 
in the mindset of keep it how it is. You know, we don't want the refugees. We want to keep the borders closed. But Lupita Nyong'o's character, whose name also escapes me. <laughs> I just watched this the other day. Nakia. Nakia. Nakia, yes. Thank you. Um, Nakia is more in the mindset of the world needs help. We have the capability to help them. Let's do it. Like, why can't we do it? Mm -hmm. And then we have Killmonger who comes in and says, black people are so screwed over by the entire world and, you know, everything that's happened to them in history. They don't know that Wakanda exists. They need Wakanda's capabilities and technology and power so they can take over. They can be the ones in charge and have everybody else understand and feel what they went through. And it's it's a real jumble in T'Challa's head because he's like, what do I do? Like, I definitely understand this. And that's that's the that's that's a genuinely like great angle for a villain too, for like an antagonist character, because what we see a lot of villains like the, the kind of common angle to take a villain is they don't think they're the bad guy. Yeah. You know, they think what they're doing is right. Like, you think of Lex Luthor. He doesn't consider himself a villain. He thinks eradicating Superman is the right thing to do. But with Killmonger, the big difference is, like, he really does have a great point where you're like, is he wrong? Like, his approach is definitely wrong. I was actually um, watching Prisoners recently, because I just got it on Blu-ray. And it kind of brings a similar question in, because the whole movie is Hugh Jackman's character has his kid stolen and it asks the question like if you're a parent and you lost your kid and you know who did it like how far would you go so he kidnaps the guy he believes did it and he tortures him until he tells him where his daughters are mm-hmm. and you see terrence howard just going we can't do this like like i mean i want my daughter back just as much as you but we can't do this and so it it's you completely sympathize and 100 percent understand where they're coming from and where Killmonger's coming from but what is what he's doing? Is his approach the right approach? And I think that makes for a really great villain. And what what also is great about it too, like I said, the origin story is already taken care of. Yeah. So you can expand on all these themes and all these. Char- it's one of the few, one of those MCU movies that does take advantage of the fact that it is part of a larger universe because it gets all the origin stuff out of the way. The boring stuff is out of the way. So effectively, Black Panther is a sequel. Yeah. In a lot, in a in a weird in a weird sense, like. Like, sort of, Captain America Civil War was that origin point. Black Panther is the in, more interesting sequel that gets into some of the bigger uh, the bigger ideas. I definitely want to touch on some of the cast. Obviously, Lupita Nyong'o, we've talked about her. She, she's good in this movie. Um, you know who I really need to talk about, though? Who? And to me, he's sort of really become, like, a fan-favorite character in this movie, is Winston Duke. Yes! As M'Baku. Oh! And that might be, in my opinion, might be one of the more impressive elements of this movie because M'Baku is taken from a character from the Black Panther comics who is a lot of people thought, how are they going to adapt this in a modern movie in 2018 without coming off incredibly racist? Cause he is, uh, M'Baku is the, the, the white ape, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Right. Or like the, something, the, the ape, something like that. I remember, I remember it very vaguely. And like, that was always a question in people's heads. Like, how are they going to take this character and, and bring him, like, is this a character, it's almost like a Ming the, Mer- like, in a weird way, like a Ming the Merciless situation, where you're like, oh god, you got these stereotypical elements in here, how are you going to translate this? 
and they do like with combination of, like the screenwriting and also Winston Duke's like incredibly charismatic performance. They do a hell of a job oh, bringing this character to life. Anytime Umbaku shows up now, I just go Umbaku. I get so excited. <laughs> like like the, like even though like the first time we see him, obviously he's like antagonistic towards T'Challa and wants to take over the throne. But when you start hearing Oh, ooh, Mafa, like yes. like when he's chanting and he's coming out, and, like ev- they're wearing the masks and they got the 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 white on their chest he comes out and he takes the mask off and he's like it's just he's so badass You're like mbaku oh dude how you doing dude, man? and when they come in and when, you know they're going to come in and help out in the end at some point but when they do it's so satisfying it's so satisfying you just see him pick up the one guy from uh was uh wakabi's tribe yes <laughs> and he's just like yeah. you're like yeah Umbaku. And, and there's so many moments like that are, but my favorite moment of all time with him is like when they all reunited and they're all happy yes to each other. <laughs> he's like are you done are you done are you done <laughs> are you done uh, are, are you done <laughs> That was, I, I say that whenever I watch like a movie, like that was me watching Malcolm and Marie. Are you done? <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> or like, I love the part when, uh, when he looks at Martin Freeman and he's like, we're going to eat you or something. We're going to, I'm going to feed you to somebody. He goes, I'm just kidding. We are vegetarians. <laughs> But it's it's also really funny too because it, it you know because obviously there's so many like racist interpretations of you know different tribes in Africa and yeah. all that stuff so it kind of plays off of off of that because Martin Freeman a, a, who's wonderful in this movie too by the way he probably he probably grew up watching like I imagine Tarzan and other, all these other movies where there's probably tribes of people where. They're like, they might be headhunters or cannibals and whatnot. And you're just like, oh, and he's like, oh, God. Just like, bruh, just, just stop. <laughs> like, you just see his face, just like, mm. that, like, classic, like, deer in headlights look that Martin Freeman's so good at. Just, oh, he's so, he's so, just, like, he's, he's so good at that. Um, and then, uh, Okoye, the, the character Okoye, uh, uh, Denia, uh, uh, Guerra. From, uh, she, she was also, she's like, she got famous from Walking Dead, if I remember correctly. Yes. She, she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michonne. Like she had, she had the like zombies that she carried around. She chopped their arms and their jaws off. Yeah, no, she's really funny in this movie too. You froze. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's probably one of the best things is the chemistry everyone has in this movie. Like everybody works so well together. And there's so many times in like Mar- in Marvel movies where like there's like a good cast, but sometimes I feel like it doesn't completely gel. Yeah. For whatever whatever reason, but I think this is one, this might arguably outside of just having like an ass ton of characters in Infinity War Endgame, just the sheer number. I think this might be one of the best all around casts. It if it, not it, the it, best it cast in a Marvel be. movie. Because again, everybody brings their A game. Every- Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett plays T'Challa's mom, queen she's mother, an incredible lady. She's so good, and I'm so happy she was able to be in a great comic book movie. Green Lantern, you screwed it. She could have been a great Amanda Waller. You piece of crap. I'm so sorry. You know what else she could have been great, great into? She could have been a great Storm. Yes. And I think about that every day of my life. Yes. Like her voice and, and just, even just now. Listen, guys, listen, listen. I know sometimes like double dipping and casting is a little weird. And I know it. Just, just have her a storm again. I don't uh, care how you have. I to will do say. It. I, just, let, hold on. I will say. Okay. In the co- and especially if they adapt the comics, and given a recent episode of Wandavision, they might start bringing in uh, classic X Men characters. T'Challa and Storm do have a romantic thing. 
So if you have Angela, what I, I, I'm just I, saying, I if you have, it, I'm just, just saying, just do it. if you have Angela Bassett, uh, you know, as Storm, and you try to do a Black Panther Storm thing, then uh, then you're just gonna have Godzilla all over again, and that was already weird. That's you true. got Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's true. And Elizabeth Olsen. That's true. The same year they play twins, and it's weird. It is very weird. It is very weird. Ugh. It it just, it just makes you like think about like the what ifs, and you're just like, man, yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but no, Angela Bassett's good. Even Forrest Whitaker is great in this. Yes. You know, he plays um Zuri, who uh we actually meet young Zuri at the at the beginning of the movie, and he plays this kind of like uh like somewhat of like obviously he's his uncle in the movie, or but he plays kind of like a like a somewhat of a mentor to T'Challa, maybe a little bit. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's very good and he does yeah, he does he's like that mentor that me- mentor character. Um, but also has like you know his past you know he kind of has like these regrets on what happened with um you know with Killmonger's dad mm-hmm. you know basically T'Chaka saved his life but T'Chaka had to kill his brother in the process which is rough it's it, that is, that is, that is rough um I just think the the whole the whole cast Shuri um was it, uh Letitia Letitia Wright Letitia Wright is is very good and they have good chemistry as like the the, the siblings like some some of the things they they, they play off each like I, I love um the one scene where like he like a malfunction happens He's like delete that footage <laughs> <laughs> and it was like right after she does the whole like what are those and you're like yeah yeah. At least yeah. it makes sense that her character would make that joke. Yeah, I, I wasn't that bothered by it, by, but I know, but I remember watching the movie in theaters, going, "Yeah, everybody's gonna be talking about this like the day after, and they're like this, that, like like trying to say this like the worst thing ever." And I'm like, "Guys, just just let it happen." Listen, she she's meant to be like a younger adult. Of course, she's gonna be aware of memes. Guaranteed, she has access to the internet. She knew what Coachella was. I mean, I mean. <laughs> No, just because I love. Oh, but I'm just saying. It makes it guaranteed. She's got access. No, so. but it's like um, in Infinity War, where there's like, could we have had like a Starbucks or like? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think this is what we would be doing. <laughs> At the very least, I thought the Starbucks, Starbucks. were the Olympics. Um, but th- th- there's of course you know all that all the cast and ever everything is great. Uh, the music we didn't get to, we didn't talk about too much about the the music in the last part. No, but it's the same composer. It is the same uh com- composer, uh Ludwig Göransson, who of course also does the uh, the score for the Mandalorian. You know, really great music and won an Oscar by the way for for best score. He did for this one. For this one and one this movie won one for uh for production production design and costume. It, the costumes are really good in this movie, and like, because so often in the Marvel movies, you have the superhero character and maybe a bunch of people in regular clothes, like regular what we think of as everyday clothes, right? Right. Yeah. In this movie, they have to create they have to create a whole culture while taking inspiration and influence from African culture, but also trying to be respectful to that and the source material and, and the comics. Mm-hmm. All all those all that stuff plays in, and it really it really deserved uh, those a- those accolades for those like you know. Uh, more of those technical or production Oscars or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. I think about, too, all the scenes like in the spirit world, of course, make me think of like Lion King. We talked about Lion King before when they visit and they, they see like the great kings of the past or or whatever. And I just, I again, I just love how this movie sort of like subverts that because you, you love T'Chaka in the last movie in Civil War. He seemed like a really really good guy. Like if there was ever, ever like a dude in the MCU who was just a really good guy you probably would have thought it was going to be him or somebody like somebody around that level. 
But you also think about the shady stuff that he's had to cover up over the years and the, the, the guilt, the massive guilt that he's probably had. But also like thinking about like, oh, this is the right thing to conceal Wakanda and to keep ourselves out of. And to have to have like um, T'Challa say like, you were wrong. All of you were, were wrong. You know, and he has to sort of like right the wrongs of his dad. And I think about, I think like the Spider-Man animated series, they have like an arc um, called like the sins of the father or something like that. And that's what this movie is. It's it's T'Challa trying to correct the sins of his of his past, of his father's past, of the previous kings. Like we were talking about earlier too, like T'Challa looking at how Wakanda was ruled in the past and also coming to terms that, and this is something I think everyone especially when they grow up comes terms with because when you see your your parents at a young age they're like gods you know that they, they they're never wrong they're always there for you it's like the best parents are always like that mm-hmm. and then at some point when you get older you realize that your parents are people and have made bad choices and have done probably some bad things and so you have to come to terms with that a little bit and especially in the case with t'challa you know he's following the legacy of his father you know, like something we kind of talked about with Creed. Yeah. That's something that Adonis has to deal with, you know, whether or not he wants to follow or step out of Apollo's legacy. And that's something that T'Challa has to work with. So he looks at what his father had done and learning this terrible secret that his father had kept that created this awful situation where now he has to fight basically his cousin. And he has to say to himself, how do I approach this? What do I do? Do I open the borders? Do I see do I see what they're doing or do I continue the legacy of let's keep Wakanda closed? Let's just protect our own people. And it it there's a lot of really like compelling story stuff in regards to that. Just just seeing like some of the more quiet moments where T'Challa is sitting with Nakia just thinking about, you know, the whole like like what should I do? Or like that really it's that really kind of like heartbreaking moment like when he's in the spirit world talking to his dad telling him that they're all wrong or when he's with Zuri and Zuri's telling him what happened or even just that last scene at the end when you know he he finally gets that final jab into Killmonger and their final battle and T'Challa decides to show him a Wakandan sunset that his that uh Killmonger's father said he was going to show him so at least he got to see that before he dies and he even says we could probably we could heal you and he's like no I'd rather not be in chains. Yeah, I remember that was a line I remember a lot of people took issue with because because they were like they took it so literally because it was like I, I you know my aunt because he says aunt, the line like ancestors somewhere in that line and I'm like he might not mean like direct ancestors guys first off no and, and no he and it might more mean more as a collective and I still think it's a really it's a really powerful line that I think like it really knocked my socks off when I heard it like this is a, a Disney produce how far Disney has come to in a lot of ways there's a lot more they could do as well obviously but like I think about like Disney they made song of the south I think that's all I need to say and now 2018 they have a best picture nominated superhero movie with a, a predominantly black cast that talks about what let's slavery. let's and let's talk about that too the fact that this movie and i think it deserves it in retrospect but the fact that a superhero movie like this because this is something i remember back in the day when, when superhero movies were kind of coming back a little bit no one thought any of these types of movies would ever get nominated for best picture no like there was obvious like when the dark knight came out it was a huge stink like why didn't this get a best picture nomination admittedly i still kind of ask that but you know what it is what it is 
Jump to 2018, Black Panther is the first major superhero movie to get a Best Picture nomination. And deservedly so. It really it really deserved it. And I, I thought it was one of the better nominees that year. It did it was, honestly. It wasn't that the year Green Book won? Green Book um unfortunately won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say like Well no, because like one of the most awkward situations, like people thought the the whole moonlight la la land thing was awkward. No. When Green Book won and all those white dudes went on stage was kind of, like seeing like the Fairley brothers and seeing all like the producers was kind of awkward, admittedly. But also over, I think was was Black Klansman mm-hmm. also up for Best Picture that yes, year it, as yes well. Yes, it was. Yes, it man. was. And it makes me think of like Spike Spike Lee talking about like man, I just lost a movie where people are like driving <laughs> or like because like driving miss daisy like many many years ago and now you have green book uh it's just a weird it's a weird uh it's juxtaposition so, but the fact a, that like it did it was a weird year it was a very very strange uh very strange year but you know black panther like it had a huge enormous like cultural impact because i know there were people you know they just saw, saw this as another marvel movie right mm-hmm. and like maybe if you just focus on some of the way the fight scenes are especially that last act where it's just like you know there's a lot of punching here and there or whatever they just look at it as another marvel movie but it really did mean like and we're just two white guys so let's let, like it really did mean a whole lot to many 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 folks around the world it showed them something within this incredibly popular genre that they hadn't really seen in a lot of movies you know this is this super popular genre predominantly dominated by white male actors and this was not only was this it wasn't obviously i'm not going to be like oh it was the first you know black superhero in the comics yes it was like one of the first if i believe it was black panther was the first but at least it was it wasn't just like a black superhero in like a major franchise but it was also the entire culture of wakanda the entire you know everything that came out of of seeing a nation in Africa that was able to thrive. And again, like you're saying, we're just two white guys, so I'm not going to speak as if I know exactly what that felt like, because I don't. No, we don't. We can never know. Just hearing um, them talk about it and and, the reaction that this movie got, you can clearly tell that this was a huge deal. And it was. Huge, huge impact. It made more money domestically than Infinity War did. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a fact that gets that gets glossed over sometimes um, because obviously Infinity War was like made two billion worldwide and it was such a huge deal to, like the snap and everything and that was that's a good movie too but y- this movie like it really like to gross for this movie to gross like seven hundred million dollars it made more it's it's made more money than most of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. honestly like it, we're talking like it, it's it's up there with like some of the Avengers movies as far as like big you know, big box office take, you know, and just, just to hear about that is kind of wild. Um, just to go off your story too, with Sylvester Stallone in the last part, I remember going to D 23 in 2019 and I wanted the, they had the live at like the movie presentation and one, they obviously had Marvel. So they had, um, you know, Kevin Feige and, um, Ryan Coogler on stage. Oh, so I loved that's cool. one of my favorite memories. One of my favorite memories is like, like talking like, oh, can you give us any details on the script? Nah. <laughs> can you give us a- any other like, uh, what what specific plot lines you're adapting, whatever? Nah. All right. Can you give us the date? And they're like, uh, uh 2022 or or whatever. And it was such a it was such a fun like exciting thing. <laughs> Just hearing him saying nah to like a lot of no nah, to a lot of his questions. It was kind of fun. It was a fun memory, but also just thinking back too. Just like that was also but a year before 
uh, unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like, flash forwarding like a year, you know, year and some change later, like, just imagining like, wow, we were anticipating another Black Panther movie with Chadwick Boseman as the lead. And you think about it, like, they um, they have to move on because this is a big multi-billion dollar franchise in the hands of Disney. But also, too, it's just such a, it's a weird position. It is. We, it, we find it in. It's, it's, it's a very weird position. It's somewhat similar, like, not entirely, but somewhat similar to the Carrie Fisher situation. I was thinking about that. When yeah. she passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she passed away. Um, before the second Star Wars movie came out, and that was a big discussion point, like, well, what are they going to do with her character in The Last Jedi? And if they let her live, like, how is that going to continue into Rise of Skywalker? Admittedly, while I'm not a fan of The Rise of Skywalker by any means, the way that they handled the Carrie Fisher stuff was, I guess, as as well as they could handle the Carrie Fisher stuff. It was a lot better than like, I was... I, I would still yeah. say I'm not, like... I'm not jazzed about it, but it's yeah, like yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's it, let I'll put it like this: in a movie that's just really bad, I don't think that was the worst thing in it. Yes, honestly, uh, yes. which is kind of shocking. But I also hope they don't do anything like that with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, please don't. Like I, I like it, it like, it, 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 I, and I know they've talked about that. Like they they don't want to do anything like that. You know, they don't want to recast him. Yeah, no, it, it's just so hard. I remember like when he passed away, and you see all those kids. Like, with their, like, little, like, action figure, like, funerals, mm-hmm. you know. It's just, like, like, you really think about, it, like, it really was, like, such a big deal. I think about, like, you do think about, like, celebrities who died who died young or relatively young, and they've, they've sort of become, like, icons that you see on murals and stuff. Like, people like Marilyn Monroe, James, James Dean, and, uh, you know, Elvis, and... and, and Heath and Ledger. Bo- Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart sometimes include... Heath Ledger, of course, yes, yeah, and 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 Chadwick Boseman is one of those is is one of those icons now at this point. I would say it was nice though that while he might while he'll obviously not be able to get to do a sequel, they got to have his character present in that initial Infinity Saga. So we have that you know origin point, his own movie, and then he continues on and continues to give a great performance in Infinity War and Endgame. It's not the same though. As if you were to get a whole sequel. I, it is nice that he was able to play that character multiple times. And even have, like, that's that great iconic moment in Infinity War. Where, you know, Wakanda forever and then they charge after. Like, that was cool. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, with Infinity War. Is that they were, you know, because obviously they make these Marvel movies so fast. That sometimes they don't get to fully realize the impact of another one. Uh, Infinity War came out a few months after Black Panther, and Black Panther was still in the top five of the box office at that point, which is yeah. totally like unprecedented for like a movie franchise to sort of have have those competing things. But they they, they, they I remember in the commentary for Infinity War, there was like, yeah, we we had no idea that it, Black Panther was going to take off like that, you know. And they probably would have included more of Wakanda in Infinity War had they been able to have time for like some sort of reshoot and be like oh we got to add more wakanda things haphazardly but i'm glad the way they have wakanda in that movie it feels more natural than probably what they would have done had like i agree infinity war come out like um, a year later or whatever you and know? you know what the the and the craziest thing and i always think about this, this is something i know a lot of people talked about as well the fact that he knew he his diagnosis while playing black panther like chadwick boseman knew that he had this ailment I think around the time he played T'Challa in Civil War. So he went through all of Black Panther, all of Infinity War, all of Endgame, 
and every other role he played in between and, and afterwards, knowing he had this ailment, knowing he was dealing with this. And he still did it. And not to mention, too, going to, like, you know, because obviously you see a lot of, like, Marvel actors that go to, you know, children's hospitals and things. Meeting with kids who are going through the same thing that he is secretly going through. Yes. Every, like, yes. every day. Like, really, it cannot be stated enough. Like, in, a man of such incredible strength and and love and kindness and compassion he truly was like it's it gonna sound cliche as hell to say this he was truly was as they say a king yes you know yes. truly was just such a great like he truly embodied that character in a in like ugh, he, he will be dearly missed. i'm getting tears like thinking about this guy but it, it really ugh, we we miss you we miss you we miss you chadwick even just watching the movie for this episode like the first time he shows up and the first time he says wakanda forever like you can't you can't help but but tear up a little bit knowing what we know now and just it's 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 uh, i have no words honestly but um i will say moving i will say moving away from that there is one person i think we should talk about that i feel like hasn't really had as much of a discussion we got to talk about Ryan Coogler yes we do because <laughs> obviously like this whole episode is about him and his work we look at black panther and we look at creed and even fruitvale station you were saying this before we did this episode when we were planning it this is such a great like look at uh, a filmmaker's progression you know you see like he made this 90 900 indie movie that was very impactful and it was well directed and it showed off how great of an actor michael b jordan is then he jumps straight to a franchise and does essentially a, a big genre movie with creed which was what like 70 it's like 70 80 million dollar 30, 35 40 million dollars actually for creed oh wow uh, for, for the first creed and that's that's like a fraction of what marvel movies cost that that's yeah. probably like a fifth of what black panther cost yeah black panther was like 200 million dollars if i remember correctly yep mm-hmm. and it's one of it's a perfect progression of like a yeah. filmmaker like he starts out, like as you said, starts out with an incredibly uber low budget movie, moves on to more of a medium, like we think of like for Hollywood movies, more medium budget movie, and then he gets to direct like the, the big cake, you know, the blockbuster. And you can clearly see, like, admittedly, like, like there's points when, when you watch Black Panther and like some of the special effects aren't the strongest. Like, you know, I think of that scene that when they're having that ceremony where, you know, he gets the powers stripped from him and everyone's like, you know, we're not challenging like the challenge, the first challenge scene. And we see that shot of everyone standing on the rock and you can tell that it's like a bunch of green screen. They even like copy and paste some of the, like, if you look close enough, you actually see some of the same groups of people on that rock. It's, it's not a long shot admittedly, but you notice it. But at the same time, like I, I also think like this is a guy that is probably still used to working with the budgets he has. He didn't have to work with heavy special effects when he did Creed. You know, a lot of a lot of Creed was clever trickery and camera works and editing. With Black Panther, this is the first time he's dealing with some heavy special effects. Yeah, I mean, because you have a Mar you're a Marvel superhero at this point. You're not just you're not a boxer. You know, you're not a movie that's dealing with you know the horrors of uh, police brutality. This is a much a much more intricate and complicated thing it's a studio a major studio film obviously um i mean ryan coogler I, like we always talk about too like o oakland is, is is featured or like the, the california los angeles areas you know featured in these movies on some some level 
uh like like you know fruit fruit fail station right if i'm not mistaken sort of is 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 in that area it's it starts off in oakland and that's kind of where it mostly takes place is in oakland it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy how the first movie he ever directed starts off with michael b jordan's character in oakland and then ends at a train station and then black panther does kind of the same thing it starts off with michael b jordan's character in oakland and then ends at a train station right you can almost see like i it almost kind of feels like maybe he's somewhat referencing himself a little bit maybe or maybe it's just how it ended up happening when he was when they were writing the script i don't know yeah i mean it, yeah like with filmmaker filmmakers sometimes that they, they they reference themselves or their or other works or or whatever they have to they, yeah. they, they just you write what you know that you write what you know exactly you know and i think again like with marvel movies i know this came up where like a lot of people are like oh a lot of it is just plug in plug in a director just throw in a director into something and there's actually quite a few Marvel movies where that's not the case. There are some yeah. great directors on Marvel movies. I mean, we t- obviously, this whole thing is about Ryan Coogler, and this feels like a Ryan Coogler movie. One of my favorite examples, as you know, James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not just a plug-and-play thing. That would have turned out differently if you just had a director for hire on Guardians of the Galaxy. I think a lot of that, too, comes from people just, they're they're bad. Like, like the their worst experiences with, with Marvel movies like i think of like obviously dark uh, thor the dark world with alan taylor yeah Yeah. and it's Mm -hmm. like you know alan taylor like you only like you only really know him as a guy that's directed a few episodes of game of thrones and does that make him incredibly qualified to do a thor movie maybe a little bit but not entirely because it is very much a whole different ballpark and what ended up coming out was not exactly a great movie or I think of something like, admittedly, like, I will say I'm warming up more to Peyton Reed as I've seen more of his stuff. And, you know, he's he actually directed a really, two really good episodes of The Mandalorian, uh, which surprised, I, I was surprised that he directed the last episode. But I was also like, you deep faked Luke, and yet you can age Michael Douglas beautifully, you jerk. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, initially, I thought of Peyton Reed a lot, too, because he only like directed what yes man before he did ant-man <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, or even like the russo brothers is kind of in that ballpark too like i think of like they're mostly known for directing television shows television show episodes but then they did yumi and dupree and somehow they got the the job to do winter soldier but it was a big surprise because no one really i think a big thing was no one really expected these like random brothers to make something like Winter Soldier what it was. Yeah. And um, it can, it can, so, yeah. It, to a degree, there are reasons to make that assumption, but I completely agree that there's some, there's definitely a lot of movies in the MCU that are 100% not that. You know, James Gunn, definitely Ryan Coogler. Taika Waititi, yes. I very much think of him as well when he did Thor Ragnarok. It is very much Taika Waititi movie, uh, especially if you've seen any of his other movies, which I highly recommend. Right, and Ryan Coogler very much brought himself to this material, and he really showed uh, with Creed and with Black Panther just how great of like a genre director he could be, and not not just uh, not just a you know uh, just any kind of director. Like he clearly seen like I would I, from just watching these two, like it does seem like he has an interest in like these kind of big sort of genre movies. He's producing the Space Jam sequel for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he he clearly has has an interest in a lot of these kind of big 
genre movies. We were talking about this too. How cool would it be if um, he made like his own IP into like a big genre movie? I, I'd be very curious to see just an, another another Ryan Coogler movie separated from you know separated from Rocky and separated from uh, from the MCU. Uh, because he is he's a very talented filmmaker as we've I mean we wouldn't have made a whole episode about him if he wasn't yeah but it would be really cool to see him do do something different so ho- I hope that comes along sooner rather than later but again it's gonna be hard because he's involved with the Black Panther 2 mm-hmm. or you know with uh, uh with the Wakanda show that they're gonna do on Disney plus which I'm very excited for the Wakanda show on Disney plus I'm excited for his whole like yeah I'm very yeah, curious about yeah I'm excited for his whole like five-year deal that he's got so disney let him off, let let him off the leash let him go crazy let him do some kind of original thing i i think i think it would be awesome i know you like your franchises disney but i'm just like but i think with these two movies they're they're big they're part of like really long-running franchises um but that that are not only like true to what the rest of the franchise is like but also true to what the film the fi- filmmaker's vision and what they wanted to bring to the table and I think it's it when you have Creed and Black Panther, it proves that that's possible. Yes, it's a hundred percent possible. You know, even though you have these long running franchises, you can have this this hot young director come in and bring a completely unique and fresh take to something, while also you know keeping true to what you kind of established before. Here's the thing: you might like something the way it is. Doesn't mean you can't make it better. Yeah, that's that's like in Black, like they say that in Black Panther, where he's just where he's just like my my suit works fine, and sure he's like just because it's good doesn't mean it can't be improved on, you know, and he he gets a better suit. Boom. So this was really fun to talk about these two movies. I'm really glad I got to revisit Black Panther. I still need to watch Fruitvale Station, but I'm also really glad that you really enjoyed Creed. I might actually buy like I don't own any Rocky movie. That might be the first one I own, oddly enough. It's a great movie, so I, I can't fault you. Anyway, folks, uh that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Tell us some of your favorite Ryan Coogler or, you know, Michael B. Jordan films, or even Chad Chadwick Boson films, throw him in there. Rest in peace, Chadwick. You know, talk about maybe your favorite Rocky movies. I don't know. What are your experiences with the Rocky movies? Please let us know at our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, or let us know your thoughts about um, Malcolm and Marie. I know I said that in the first half, but please let us know your <laughs> thoughts on this darn movie. Yes. Yes, please let us know. I, I'm actually curious about the Malcolm and Marie thing, admittedly. <laughs> I'm very curious, too. I guess I guess we'll find out. Uh, uh, that was Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Uh, check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. You know, thank you so much for listening to, uh, you know, a couple of guys and uh, a couple of films and, and whatnot. And, you know, I uh, 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 follow them on the, you know, hey, the computer pages, you know, all that good stuff. And then thanks also to them Armstrong kids for making all that good stuff that they do. You know, good two thumbs up for that, you know what I'm saying? And then, of course, uh, uh, next week they're talking about some guy belting out coons and, uh, you know, precipitation. And then there's another guy who's really bad at haircuts. You know, stay tuned for that, you know? Thank you.